congratulations to Carlos Alcaraz and Marketa Vondrosova for winning the men's and women's Wimbledon singles titles. Vondrosova, who was unseated at this tournament, completes an incredible run to tennis's highest peak. As for Alcaraz, this is his second major and the biggest sign yet that he is ready to be at least Djokovic's equal and maybe more. It's Monday, July 17th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. Netflix just launched its latest sports docuseries, Quarterback, which follows Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota. Meanwhile, HBO is countering with its latest version of its longtime behind-the-scenes show, Hard Knocks, which will follow the New York Jets. Their new star quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, isn't so happy about that. One of the only things I like about Hard Knocks is the voice of God, who narrates it. <laughs> right. Live. I hope I get to meet him. But look, you know, I understand the, the appeal with us, obviously. There's a lot of eyes on me, a lot of eyes on our team, a lot of expectations for our squad. So uh, they forced it down our throats and we got to deal with it. Joining me now to discuss is Front Office Sports newsletter co-author David Rumsey. Welcome, David. Thanks, Owen. How's it going? Doing well. So Hard Knocks is the original one of these, these you know sports docuseries where you go behind the scenes. But the judges don't seem especially thrilled about having them. Yeah, I mean, you hear Aaron Rodgers' comments, you know, they forced him down his throat and everything. He doesn't really want to welcome the cameras in there. And, you know, Robert Sala, the Jets coach, kind of said similar things earlier this year, how he didn't want to be selected. The the Jets were only one of four teams that the NFL could have made participate involuntarily, along with the Chicago Bears, Washington Commanders, and one other. And it's just kind of like, you know, there's not a lot of options. So, of course, you're going to go with Rodgers and the Jets. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that you can see implied in how everything is is strung out in these sports docuseries is they have the willing participation of, you know, if you look at, you know, quarterback or, you know, drive to survive or, you know, the the other Netflix ones, Breakpoint, um, they have the willing participation of these people so that when there's a camera following them around, they're acting as natural as they can. They're, you know, they're sitting for interviews. They doesn't seem begrudging and they can even kind of, you know, laugh at, you know, Oh, here comes Netflix and um, everyone's kind of having fun with it to some degree. It'll be interesting, you know, maybe good for drama, but maybe just uncomfortable if the Jets just don't want them there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Hard Docs has been around for so long, but now it's at this point, it's been at this point for years where the NFL forces a team to do it, like Roger said, and therefore Hard Knocks is invasive for its participants. Like, that's not going to be very fun most of the time. Whereas, like you're saying, for quarterback um, Patrick Mahomes, he welcomed the cameras in. Same for Kirk Cousins, Marcus Mariota, and it's getting rave reviews. And I know it's after the fact, you know, the season's already gone, so they can share more secrets about intel and everything. But I think that's kind of the the model now. I mean, you see all these leagues, whether it's Formula One, PGA Tour, tennis, you know, you film throughout the season and then you show that season right before the next season. And the NFL is trying to do that with Netflix too here. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's worth noting that uh, Patrick Mahomes' production company is involved with quarterback. And we saw with The Last Dance, Michael Jordan's production company was involved with that. And, you know, there's some maybe journalistic ethics issues around profiting on your own docuseries. At the same time, it does make it so that 
these athletes feel like they want to be a good sport about this. They want to make it as good a show as possible. Whereas, yeah, again, if it's just, you know, there's the camera guy who just like won't leave us alone. And, you know, maybe there's, you know, three guys who, who love being on camera and everyone else is just trying to like do their thing. Um, it, it'll just be interesting to see how it all shakes out, especially with Rogers, the inevitable protagonist who is an interesting character to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Peyton Manning's production company, Omaha Productions, is also involved in quarterback. You know, his his company is everywhere now. And what I found interesting as well is, you know, NFL Films has long been in partnership with HBO on Hard Knocks, but NFL Films is also in partnership with this new Netflix series. So I'm kind of wondering, is the NFL maybe testing the waters with Netflix to see if they can do the documentary space better? I don't know. I mean, the NFL has been doubling down on hard knocks in recent years with two seasons of in-season hard knocks after the training camp hard knocks. So we're just going to have to see. I I think Rodgers is going to give us some good TV, but I don't know if the viewership or ratings will kind of reflect that. Yeah. And, you know, the hard knocks ratings have been trending downward if they do decide to get rid of it or if they're having any of those thoughts yeah, quarterback is right there. And yeah, I mean, it's only been a few days, but it's it's getting huge reviews. And Netflix has a pretty successful history of, of doing these docuseries. So, you know, they've got a replacement if they want it. Yeah, and I'll say for myself, uh, I'm never really that interested in who's going to be on the next season of Hard Knocks anymore. But after this first season of Quarterback, I'm already wondering who's going to be on the next season of Quarterback. So maybe it's just the newness, but I, I see where it's going. Absolutely. David Rumsey, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Up next, I spoke to leadership at Think 450, which is the NBA Players Association's commercial wing. The brand power of the NBA and its players has arguably never been stronger, and it's allowing the NBPA to have bigger dreams than ever before. You'll hear all about that next. All right. I am joined now by Keisha Wright, Senior VP of Partnerships and Purpose at Think450, Hugh Gaskins, President of Think450, and David Spencer, Co-Founder of Talent Resources Sports. Welcome, all of you. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So great to have you. Q, let's start with you. So super high level, what is Think450 and how does it relate to the NBPA? Got it. So super high level, Think 450 is the licensing partnership and innovation engine for the MBPA. So basically, we're the for-profit side uh, of the MBPA. We call ourselves Think 450 because we work on half of all 450. We're now with two A's. It's probably up to 500. But the, the symbolism of what 450 represents, 30 teams, a roster of 15 per team. Uh, so it's really all about the collective. We're here to support, uh, protect build trust and add value to that uh, collective body of players. Um, And Keisha and I come to work every day with the goal of monetizing and maximizing that collective influence um, and their NILDA. We call it NILDA on our side, which stands for name, image, likeness, data, and access. So we're taking that collective influence and that NILDA, finding ways to monetize it and maximize it with brands and, and we do it through different types of deals, some that gives us uh, immediate returns and others that um, give us more of a transformational type of uh, return where we're investing in the future. And I think when people think of 
NIL or NILDA or just, you know, people's, an athlete's brand pull. It's easy to see that with, you know, if you're Kevin Durant, if you're Steph Curry, let's say I'm the backup point guard on the Atlanta Hawks and, you know, no one's, you know, asking me to uh, put their, put my name on their sneaker. How do you guys uh, still elevate that person? <clears throat> yeah, no, we, we just actually coming out of summer league, we had two activations. One was our brotherhood deli which is basically a New York style bodega. And we were able to showcase eight players' products, including some very big names that you know, like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but some other smaller names that you may not know as well. And so we're able to use our experiential events, um, our content to help showcase um, all of the, the brotherhood passions. And so whether they're the first top 50 players or the middle, you know, 150, we're able to use our events to showcase all of what they do. And speaking of Summer League, David, um, how do you loop into all of this? So our agency creates partnerships on behalf of consumer brands with a myriad of different professional sports athletes and entertainers. My passion is really in the NBA. So I've led initiatives with the partnerships that we've done, actually including the backup point guard of the Atlanta Hawks. So we've done a number of different partnerships um, directly with players and with media properties, which is what I look at the NBA PA at as, which is an incredible representation of the 450 players that represent the National Basketball Association. And Keisha, how have you seen the brand power of, of you know, NBA players grow, you know, let's say over the last few years? So I, I was recently at a panel where I heard a couple of NFL, former NFL players, Giants, talk about how they were very reticent to talk about their off-field passion because it gave people the perception that they weren't focused on their day jobs. I think what the NBA players and our members have done is show that, you know, there's 48 minutes on the court that the NBA owns, but we own the 23 hours and 12 minutes that exist beyond the court. And they are very comfortable sharing those passion points with fans because it gives fans who may be casual sports fans, a way in and a way for them to build their audience and to connect. And so they're really um, excited to share those 2312 passions with their with their audiences. We had a post-up podcast uh, yesterday in Vegas where we had Spencer Dinwiddie talking about his grilling and his dry rubs. We did the first ever MBPA cipher. So we had Amon Shumpert, Bones Highland, and Lonzo Ball rapping. And so that's just another aspect of themselves. You know, they are multi-hyphenates. That term is often overused, but they love to showcase their whole selves. Q, um, where are you seeing new revenue opportunities, you know, using the this power of the NBA player? Oh, my God. So Keisha and I, that, that over at my side, they get sick of me talking about the different revenue streams that we have. I think we're up to maybe like 11 um, that we're exploring. So we have like 11 revenue streams that we look at. Um, I would say we, we, we segment the business on what we call GLA, things that are kind of um, driven by our GLA, the group licensing arrangement or group licensing agreement, and then non-GLA. So on the GLA side, we have five. Um, there are two that exist under licensing. Um, you know, we call them GLA need and GLA want. The GLA need is, you know, all those brands like 2K, Panini, they actually need every player in order for their product or service to exist. And then on the sponsorship side, Keisha's group, we have what we call GLA NBA. So these are brands that are looking to sponsor and use both the league marks as well as player marks in some of their sponsorship. And then we have GLA 2312, 
which is basically all the brands that just want to use player only uh, marks. Uh, speaking to the, the point that Keisha made about the 23 hours and 12 minutes of their day. And then we also have the ability from a brand perspective, for example, if Kia is the official car of the NBA, Rolls Royce could, for all intents and purposes, be the official car of the MBPA. And we just had a great B2B um, experience with Rolls Royce this past weekend in Las Vegas. So I'm actually trying to make that one come true. And then, uh, and then on the non-GLA side, uh, it's everything from the fan experiences that Keisha's creating, like the, the Brotherhood Deli and the Post Up, um, to branded content opportunities. Dan's group, uh, many of you on this phone know Dan Glassstone. He, he runs our elite basketball experiences. So we're creating camps and AAU games and high school showcases and top 100 camp and things of that nature. All those things have a huge media and advertising opportunity because most of that stuff is on television. And so we're leveraging that as another way for us to create real value for our players. And then we also, to Keisha's point, we're doing a lot of player partnerships. And so I call these things the FIRE brands, which stands for these are brands that are founded by, invested by, respected by, or endorsed by our players. And we have this unique ability to bring those FIRE brands to the world. And then finally, we're doing some great things internationally on the non-GLA side. We have two big properties. One we run in Milan called uh, One Court, which is a, a brand building, teaching them about the art of fashion, teaching them about the art of building brands. And we bring players together in Milan to do that. And then the other one is uh, one that Keisha and I are going to in about a week. It happens in Spain called The Sanctuary, which is basically a sports performance retreat where we bring in the best of sports, performance, health, and tech. Uh, into an environment and allow players to work on not just what makes their sanctuary, their bodies better, but also just giving them a space where they can do this in private. Uh, so we create this very peaceful and tranquil sanctuary where they come together and play over in Malaga, Spain. Sounds pretty nice. By the way, your acronym game is, is very strong. <laughs> he is known for his acronyms for sure. I keep a, I keep a dictionary. <laughs> yeah, what did you just mean? What was that one? Um, is it ever an issue if, you know, the NBA wants their official drink to be Coke and the NBPA sees a great deal with Pepsi? Can those things coexist? Do you ever have to work that out? They, they can coexist, and, and we have had to work some of those things out, and we'll continue to have to. But yes, that the short answer to that is yes, they can coexist. Right All now, right. So. Um, and so the, the new CBA brought, you know, it was like 600 pages long or something, made all kinds of changes. Uh, Draymond Green, for one, was, you know, critical of how it, it tries to curb spending at the top, and there's, you know, a bunch of details that people have, have poured over. How does it affect what you guys do? Yeah. So it really has an impact on us in terms of like um, when you think about some of the joint commercial opportunities um, with there, there might be, you know, some things that we can do together, depending on how certain language is written within the CBA. But like, a, you know, for most for the casual fan, because I'm on the for profit side of the business, I'm not really integrated into what happens around the CBA. That's really negotiated through the league side. I mean, through the PA side and the league um, from a purely union perspective. The, the main focus of the union is to negotiate that CBA. Um, and there are some definitely limitations and parameters because I'm on the for profit side that keep me out um, from being able to get involved in some of those conversations and discussions. Mm -hmm. And Keisha, are you seeing any new kinds of interest in, in brands that want to be connected to the NBA? 
I, I feel like uh, smaller brands, a lot of startups. So in our deli, we had um, this, a popcorn brand, a gourmet popcorn brand called Opapa. Clearly, Liquid Death, although it is officially a startup, it feels like a huge um, beverage company now. It's taking over. But all of these brands who are sort of more lifestyle focused and not, you know, the, the, the big Pepsis, the big Sprites and Cokes that, that you recognize and that are typically endemic to sports, we're seeing that smaller brands also recognize the value of being aligned with players um, who share affinities, who share passions, and being able to tell stories about those shared passions. So I think a lot of smaller brands are trying to find ways in and ways to work with us. Um, and I think those activations like the deli give smaller brands the opportunity to come in and have that alignment without having to have a super huge endorsement deal. Yeah, I would let me jump in on can I jump in on that one too, just for two seconds? Cause I feel like it, it's also important to know that while I think the game of basketball is growing significantly, so there is a lot of interest from a lot of different types of brands in our space. One of the things that we've been very cognizant of is making sure like we're all in this trying to grow the game as much as we can, especially globally. And so I've also had to encourage my team to see the NBA more of that. Like we, we're trying to find ways to become better partners together and not competing for business per se. And what do I mean by that? So there's a lot of brands out there that are looking for a certain type of marketing return or a certain type of KPI when they're going out, figuring out what to do with their marketing spend. So they're thinking about the NBA really from an audience perspective because of the eyeballs and the impressions and the television and all the stuff that comes with that. And what we're getting, you know, um, um, encouraging our brand partners and others to really think about the Think 450 side of the business is more from a community perspective. So we come in and we can help brands, especially on the lifestyle, basketball culture side, build, you know, their connection to the sport and to our players from a community perspective. So we also talk about it through the lens of community and audience and how we're more about engagement and really building not just the brotherhood of the players, but also a brotherhood of brands that really want to help to elevate and grow the sport around the world. And, you know, and then you have more of um, the traditional kind of marketing spend, the day, the blocking and tackling of, you know, the KPIs that come with impressions and all those things that you could potentially get from a, an NBA side. Yeah. And what I'm seeing from the brand partners we work with are, yes, to Keisha's point, there are the established brands that are making the the larger endorsement plays with the Stephs and the LeBrons of the world. But they are there are different brands in that product mix that are looking to be able to touch the body of the NBA player uh, association. And they are willing to look at the value that a backup point guard on the Atlanta Hawks um, can bring. To that community or to this guy about to get mad to get- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i don't know if he's going to be mad or happy that he keeps coming up whoever he is he would be happy if it comes with a check exactly the beauty of of what the pa really represents in the the body of, of the the complete uh association of players is that there's a little bit of something for everyone and brands understand the value and the importance and the and the potency of what um professional sports and really the nba that is on at least you know 82 games a season and more with the playoffs there's a roster of 15 players that are all recognizable that aren't representative of helmet syndrome that play that the audiences that are sports fans and now even more so with social media fans that aren't necessarily sports fans they can identify with these athletes. And it's really about creating meaningful partnerships with brands across the spectrum. 
And I, I, what I, I'll add to that is I think you see a different kind of brand. You see brands that are more willing to let go of the reins. They don't come with a ready-baked creative brief. They're willing, the type of brands we work with are willing to be more collaborative and sort of turn over the reins to the players. Um, and that's where we find the most success. And Q, I'll give you the last question. What's one piece of this puzzle that might be small or just not really noticeable to the average person from the outside right now, but is going to be really big in five to 10 years? Oh, wow. What's one piece of this puzzle? I think you're going to see much more from a overall brand opportunity for our players. Um, we're working on like an MBPA wine. You know, we want to explore some opportunities around MBPA, a grooming line. Um, I've been to Portugal a couple of times and met with a few folks and I'm talking about an MBPA furniture line. So I think you're going to see much more of a collective influence around branded products, CPG related stuff that allows us to broaden beyond just purely licensing and traditional sponsorship um, that will give our players a lot of transformational opportunities out there in the market. All right. Keisha Wright, Hugh Gaskins, David Spencer, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. That is it for today. This is going to be an exciting week. The Women's World Cup is starting. Lionel Messi makes his U.S. debut. And we even get the return of Slam Ball. Subscribe. You won't want to miss any of that. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow.